This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. On this podcast, I amplify the feminine voice and curate feminine glory so that you, my listener, find your own fierce and lovely story. It has become somewhat of a sacred journey for me to uncover the stories of women from around the world throughout time and present day. The more fierce and lovely women I explore, the more I fall in love with the one in whose image we reflect. My hope is that in this space, you embrace your own beautifully ordinary life as the majority story most of us are living. Listeners, today I have a treat for us all. A handful of times I've had a guest visiting my city who prefers sitting face-to-face to chat. Seeing as how I don't have a studio, they are never the best recordings, but they are always such a gift to me because of presence. And today my guest is the dear, wise, tenacious Judy Douglas. Judy is on staff with Crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ, and for nearly half a century, Crew has been doing their biannual staff conference on the campus of Colorado State University, which is just down the street from us. I feel a lot of affinity toward Judy, not only because my husband and I were on staff with Crew for 10 years, but she and I are also in the same Writers Guild, Redbud Writers Guild, and that's actually how we met. After all, there are over 25,000 staff with crew. The topic of our conversation centers on discovering her fierce and lovely through the unexpected gift of her foster son, the difficulty raising him, and the long journey of praying for him as a prodigal. Her new book, When You Love a Prodigal, is based on letters she wrote to a prayer group that gathered to pray over similar children. If you're prepared to be encouraged by a sage, listen in. Judy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, Beth, it's a delight for me. I've been listening to your podcast. Well, and thank so, you. And I've been using your book, too, uh, with my granddaughter. That's so. so encouraging to hear about. It's very special. Yeah. She's very special. What has she thought, if I can ask? Well, last year when we started what we were doing, uh, she was very excited about it. Uh, something happened over the summer last year when I didn't see much of her, and she just kind of cooled spiritually. Mm-hmm. She's still responsive, and we're still doing things. We have a, a trip planned. We've had mm-hmm. several short trips, and I, she's... I give her um, charms, uh, Pandora charms, Mm -hmm. for different things we do or different things I want to be true of her. And so those are working. I love that you as as a grandmother have taken that on. Well, she has no mother in her life very much. And her other grand, her real grandparents Mm -hmm. uh, are raising her. Um, She's a my ex-step granddaughter from my son's first marriage. And so I don't have any legal standing in her life Mm -hmm. at all, but I love her and she knows it. So it's a good thing. That's beautiful. I love it. It's so fun to have you here in person. Oh, good. In my neck of the woods, which 
I know you probably feel is also yours since you've been coming here to Northern Colorado for... Since 1974. <laughs> 45 years. So, yes, this we love Colorado. For you. And the Fort Collins is. I have no trouble finding things. Right. And Mary, my assistant's driving me and she's like, where is this? Where is this? It doesn't matter. Yeah. So Second home. Well, yeah. it's fun to have you here for this summer. Tell us, let's just start off. Tell us a little bit about who you are, why you're even here for my listeners who, who don't know who you are, Judy, and we'll go from there. Well, I'm Judy Douglas, and I am on the staff of CREW and have been for mm, 55 years. And um, I used to do magazines for the the. Uh, ministry and I also do a lot of speaking all over the world and my current assignment happens to be because of my husband the wife of the president and that's a wonderful job because I don't have a lot of responsibility but I get a lot of opportunity yeah. and my whole goal is to love and encourage them and help them to have a bigger picture and a bigger vision of what God wants to do in them and through them. And mm -hmm. that, that's kind of my life. Everything I do almost is mm -hmm. about people getting the picture that God loves them. He's got more for them than they know. Mm -hmm. And to learn to believe it and step out in faith and see what happens. So your official role, I mean, could we call it first lady? I mean, it's kind of, like in terms of comparable. Yes, job you would function, call it first lady. Yes, um, you was you don't want to be. That's called not first exactly lady. my favorite, but I found that in a lot of cultures, it's actually a wonderful thing, mm -hmm. and so I've not been as objectionable to it. Right. But yes, that's what it is, and um, it's a privilege. I I'm still in awe that God would let me have the opportunities that I have. Mm. And it's nice to be married to this wonderful man. Right. And how many years have you been married? 44. Okay. So you met on staff? We met on staff. Right. And uh, had a, a fairly long friendship and dating relationship. And he was worth waiting for. <laughs> so you have how many kids? Three. And how many grandkids? Ten. And great-grandkids? No. no. None, none we yet. started a little late to okay. be having great-grandkids. Okay. Like, yeah. So three kids um, and a new book coming out. Oh, yes, my new book. I'm so excited. When You Love a Prodigal, 90 Days of Grace for the Wilderness. And I can't wait to hear more about this book and how it came to be. Obviously, with a word like prodigal in the title, there's a story there. Oh, yes. Um, so would you mind sharing a little bit I, about that story? I can tell you the story. Um in some interesting conversations with God, he said, I'm sending you a son. I had these two wonderful daughters, and I'm like, do I really want you to send me another child? But when we moved to Florida from California, um, right after we got there, a new friend said, do you know someone who could take an eight-year-old boy? And it was like, God says, this is it. And so he came to live with us as a foster child for three years, but that's when they terminated his mother's rights. And he challenged us a lot because he came from a hard place with a mother who was drugs and alcohol. And she he lived with her and some with his grandparents, but it was hard. And he had a lot of rejection and abandonment and neglect and some abuse. And so all of a sudden he's 
living with these new people he hardly knows. And it just turned our mostly peaceful home into chaos. And I just was, okay, what have we said yes to? And he had a lot of issues because of his mother's drugs and alcohol when she was carrying him. He could hardly read or write. He was going into third grade and almost 10 years old by the time he actually came to us. Mm -hmm. And so you just, it's like, it was hard. And at the end of the three months, uh, three years, um, this county terminated his mother's rights and said, he's up for adoption. You have first choice. And we're all like, okay, <laughs> do we sign up for more? Well, you know, God made it very clear right. that he had given him to us. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a real gift. But it was a very hard gift mm -hmm. because then he went into middle school and everything that was challenging became much worse. Mm -hmm. And he made wrong choices. He was School was hard for him. He was two years older almost than most of the kids in his class, and he's big. Mm -hmm. And so he towered over these sixth grade boys. And, you know, you can be a bully easily then. And he... He, he stepped into that hard. role quite huh? easily. He stepped yes, into that he role. did. Yeah. And his teachers didn't know what to do with him because he couldn't stay still and he not talk or so he spent most of his days in um alternative classroom and he thought that was normal mm -hmm. and um it got worse and they were about to kick him out of school and um god had us put him in a program a residential program in orlando where we lived and we had to go through it with him mm -hmm. which had wonderful things about it and difficult. It was not a fun program, but it, two wonderful things happened. One, they forced us as a family to have a relationship and he had not been willing. He was always, I don't trust anyone. No one has been there for me. Why would I trust you? Mm -hmm. And so, but now all of a sudden we're having to spend time and in a relationship. And the second was he met Jesus there mm -hmm. and um, he was really committed to that for a while when he got out until he found his old friends. Mm -hmm. And then it was just a real roller coaster and, and a lot of bad decisions. And during that time, we tried so many things to help him and it and nothing was working. So we said, I guess we need to pray. <laughs> <laughs> so we started praying and then we asked other people to pray with mm -hmm. us. And we, started what I called the Worldwide Day of Prayer for Josh. Mm -hmm. And I probably at that found 20 or 30, I don't know how many people, who would play, pray regularly on that day for our son. Wow. And then God said, why don't you expand it? There are a lot of other people who have loved ones that need prayer. And so we opened it up and it became a Worldwide uh, Day of Prayer for Prodigals. Mm -hmm. And because I know people all right, over the world, right. it's easy to let them know. And I knew a lot of our staff, as well as other people that had loved ones in their life, mostly children, but you know, it can be a, a sister, a brother, a spouse, a mm -hmm. cousin, a, a nephew, a grandchild, so many people that we might be loving and praying for. Mm -hmm. And so we, we formed a website and mm -hmm. called Prayer for Prodigals. And and people can join. They have to be invited in because it has to be a safe place. Mm -hmm. And it has some resources and things. But the main thing it has 
is a prayer center and you can go and you can type in your prayer requests and other people will come and pray for it. Many will pray without writing, but many are kind to write their prayers out. And then people give us updates or, you know, come back with great progress or worse things because it's a long journey. And it's I'm a sure wonderful community. Became, yeah, I'm sure that became family. Oh, yes. A, a support system. It's in the days before Facebook groups. I'm right. Sure. It is, though we now have a Facebook page as mm-hmm. well, but that's open. That's not a place where okay. you that's not a do personal. Group. Right. Uh, this group is closed. Mm-hmm. And so it's safe. And the stories of people and the tr- struggles they're going through and the the heartache and pain that mm-hmm. they're experiencing because someone they love is could die because of the choices they're making. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're concerned for their spiritual health or their spiritual future. And But they're most often concerned for the immediate, uh, what's going to happen if they overdose on drugs oh, yeah. or if they're cutting themselves. You know, they cut their wrist, their or arm, and so you could miss and cut your wrist and be done or Mm -hmm. there's so many ways that they harm themselves plus there's so many with mental illness issues now and one of the things that i've learned is that a lot of these prodigals people think they're just rebellious making these choices a lot of them are responding to other things in their life mental illness issues that cause them to, to become depressed And then who knows what you might do. Mm -hmm. Or looking at our son, the abandonment issues that he experienced were very impactful on his life. It was like, I can't trust anyone to be there for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's going to be true of lots. They're just, some of them are done to them. Some of them are like babies who are born addicted. And Mm -hmm. you could get them past that, but the results are still have an impact on their lives right. and so they've learned survival strategies oh yes and that's what they're they're living by those and they're getting by it's keeping them alive but it's not the healthiest or the right most spiritually right so it's yeah. it's a wide variety of of things that cause mm-hmm. people to make choices right. that are de- destructive so did this community ever move offline did you ever it starts small groups in different cities or come together? Yes. As a matter of fact, I don't supervise that, but a woman that I partner with, she and her husband actually started a, a ministry called Hope for Hurting Parents. And it is a training them, teaching them how to have support groups. Mm-hmm. And they've developed a curriculum. It's not a very formal one, mm-hmm. but to help them know how to to go forward. And so they have a large group in Orlando where we are, mm-hmm. and most of them are in our community, but they have people, or their groups are all over the country now. Mm-hmm. And so we spawned that, but it's not actually part of us. Right. So it's beautiful. But it, it is. It's a wonderful thing. And the support groups are huge. And I uh, am in the Facebook group of the one that they have in Orlando, mm-hmm. and there's others further out too. But uh, so I'm seeing the requests and they help each other so much, Mm -hmm. even if they don't have, you know, here's what you do. They have um, they have how to trust God, how to hang on to hope. Um, Yes, that happened to us and we've gotten through that. Mm -hmm. And so those kinds of things are so helpful. Yeah. 
So this book came out of that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I assume it had a happy end. There's a happy ending that it allows is, for this book to be written. Yes. It, there is a happy uh, place now. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll it's get not to that. an ending. It's not an ending at this point. And one thing, when you love a prodigal, you find out um, relapse is always a possibility. Or you think if, in our son's case, because his issues drove him to alcohol and drugs, and he has quit and for hasn't had a drink in five years. Um, but he, because of his mother's drugs and alcohol, his brain doesn't allow him to manage life as well as the average person might. Mm-hmm. And so if he gets too many stressful things, uh, those can come in and cause him to at least think of returning to old patterns Mm -hmm. and those old patterns really hold on. And so it might take two or three tries of abandoning them before you really get some freedom. But, you know, most of the people I know, there's just this lurking uh, little fear that it could, they could go back Mm -hmm. and sometimes then it's a lot worse. And Mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. but in the book, well, the community of Prayer for Prodigals, I write through them once a month, and I've been doing that for 12 years now. And for the Worldwide Prodigal Prayer Day on June 2nd, we do a preparation Bible study on a theme. Mm. And I write those devotional Bible studies to help them get their hearts and minds ready to spend a lot of time in prayer. Mm. They pray for each other. But the day is we invite people to send names and we have, I don't know, 5,000 names on a list uh, of the people have asked us to pray for. And that's different than this prayer center where this is just first names of people. Mm -hmm. So there are probably 36 Joshes Mm -hmm. uh, or more. Uh, I can tell you the, which names are the most popular. Uh, (laughs) And, um, and so for those, I write these devotionals. There's usually eight to 10 of them. And that's the, the bulk of this is okay. the chapters. So each. almost the letters that you've uh-huh. been writing for that's, 12 years. That's what it is, mostly. Okay. And it's by themes. So one theme is love and grace. And we do a theme on time because the most common question a person who loves a prodigal is asking, how long, Lord, how long is this going to go on? And so to help them have a perspective on time uh, from God's mm-hmm. uh, way to look at it and we have trust and a whole section on prayer and um it ends with my what i think is the others i'll say this first so it also has a, a whole section on the holy spirit because they need to understand that this is a hard journey and making making it through this with your own health and spiritual life as well as just relational life um, is pretty impossible on your own. But God has given us, even in the darkest times that we're in, even in the hardest journey, he has a Holy Spirit he sent to live in us and give us the strength and the courage as well as wisdom and well as hope and well as understanding scripture and so many ways that he ministers to us on this journey. So we help them see that God has not abandoned you. 
in this. It feels like it sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's like, will we ever see any progress? And God says, well, I'm right there with you. Mm -hmm. I'm living it with you. Mm -hmm. And I will give you what you need for it. But then the very last chapter is called Gift. Because it's about the gifts that I've received and that others who love a prodigal receive as they make this journey with God hmm. um, and with their loved person. And so it's... Which that is such a, you know, uncommon perspective to have on suffering in general. Yeah. And specifically this line of, of the path you've taken. Tell me a little bit more about that. Why? How is it a gift? How is it more about you? Well... First of all, it started as God sent him to us and he said, I'm giving you a gift. And at first it seemed like a gift, but it got harder and harder. It's like, okay, this is pretty impossible. I wrote a blog post once and I called it gratitude for a grievous gift. And I told God, I said, well, if this is a gift, it's a grievous gift. And I'm not sure I appreciate it. <laughs> and so he started opening my eyes to see the gifts that were becoming mine. Mm. And uh, one is, is mercy, how all of us need mercy, um, because life is hard and we do things that we wish we hadn't done or seem incapable of resisting. Or And he, he says, I'm I forgive you. Look at Jesus on the cross. He forgives. And and so to begin to understand the mercy that I could extend to my son when he did one more thing that was disappointing or hurtful or really made you angry. And he, I learned to, to offer mercy. And I love the verse uh, that says that mercy is conquers judgment. Yeah. And learn to live that way a lot. Mm -hmm. Another one, oh, this one came real true, and that is unconditional love. Um, I, I actually, during this journey, kind of fell in love with this boy. At first, it was just this boy God sent to us, and we were providing for him, and we were being good parents. But there wasn't, because he wouldn't give it or return it, and it was hard. We weren't extending a lot of love. But at some point, God just kind of poured into me his love for this boy. Mm. In fact, he told me, he says, I'm going to give you my love for him because you're going to need it. And I, okay. <laughs> and I certainly have. But I can remember as time went on and, and this boy, to me, to him, I represented a betrayal of his birth mother. And even though she had not been very good to him, he loved her. Right. Loyal to of her. Of course. Yes. And so he could never say, I love you to me, because that would be betraying her. Mm -hmm. But as I went on falling more in love with this kid, um, I said, Lord, could he just, you know, send me a Mother's Day card or say, happy birthday, I love you, something? No, it, it took, yeah, well... It took about 12 years, mm. but um, yeah. but God said to me, Judy, unconditional love by definition doesn't require love in return. Mm. And so we hear unconditional means you can't do anything to make someone quit loving you or him, God quit loving you. And um, it, there are no conditions, but God just helped me see this bigger condition 
condition, no condition, and that is there's no expectation of anything coming in return. Mm. Even if you keep loving and loving and loving as God has done to us. And he knows if we're going to come, but um, he doesn't quit loving us. Mm -hmm. He loves every single one. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was a beautiful picture for me. One other um, thing that, that really has been an important one for me has been um, seeing that he's working in me. There's a sense you want to know what's going on and you're kind of like, Lord, can you give me hope? Can you give me a picture of what's going on? And, um, and here's the hope he gave me. He says, I'm always working even when you can't see it. Mm -hmm. and, and so I came back to that many times because a lot of times there was no evidence that he would change and um, that he would come out of this into some maturity. I had a friend whose desk I passed on the way to my office and she would ask me, she says, so how's he doing? And I might almost cry sometimes because of how hard it had been. And she said, He's, God's just building this testimony. Mm -hmm. And so I would hold on to that and she would, but God just kept saying, I know you don't understand, but I'm doing a work here. And I'm very committed to finishing the work I've begun in his life. And even when you can't see it, I'm working. Well, that's true in so many aspects of our life. Things that are hard that we're going through, health issues. I just heard from somebody today that she almost surely has ovarian cancer. And 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 I know so many with, you know, and then there are others, financial issues. I know somebody who just lost their home and you just think, stop, stop. And that's just here. I go to places in other nice. parts of the world where nothing is predictable. They don't know where they're going to get a meal or how they're going to survive or when some group of vigilantes are going to come and kill them. That's happening in several places now. And so you just think somehow to be able to understand that even in the midst of the horror that people can cause, and I, I struggle with that. I, it's like, I don't understand how people can do the things they do to mm -hmm. people, what you've worked on mm -hmm. uh, with trafficked people. And, uh, and God says, they're terrible. And I don't choose those. I don't want those. But I'm working, and there's a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And and so that's been a tremendous gift. Mm -hmm. And I'll mention one last one of those, I guess. And that's prayer. Um, you know, in our ministry, we pray a lot. Uh, we we most of us pray maybe briefly when we get up in the morning or go to bed and we pray for our meals. Um, that adds up to five prayer times perhaps. Um, and, um, but, and at meetings, we always start our meetings in prayer. And if we don't know where to go in a meeting, we stop and pray. And then we end our meetings in prayer. And so I always thought I'm really good at prayer. I know prayer. And then Josh came into our life mm -hmm. and it was like, I don't, I don't know how to pray. And that's where the Prayer for Prodigals community was so helpful because we helped each other learn to pray. Mm -hmm. And I learned to bring scripture to the Lord and I learned to bless. Most 
people as they speak to prodigals, they're usually there's tension and emotion. And so they're often speaking hard words to them and with a harsh tone, perhaps. And they'll say things like, there's no hope for you, or even God couldn't love you, or I'm so sick of you. And those, you know, well, those just penetrate. And scripture tells us those are really curses on the person. And God taught me to change my prayers and my words from curses to blessings. And so I just look for the way to speak to a a blessing to them. And I write blessings for people. And, and my whole prayer life is one of looking to bless people as well as answer things in their lives or pray God to do a work in their lives. But it's what, it's a whole different thing. I go on prayer walks on the beach whenever I can, which isn't often enough. And, um, and the first thing I usually ask is, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Now, most of us start in on our list of what we want God to do. And he, you know how he almost always starts his answers to me? He says, I love you. And I'm so pleased that you're doing this. Or I think he says, you have made great progress in having a better attitude or not whining or whatever we've been working on. But he's always positive. And then he might say, Let, let's talk about this situation and or this attitude or um, this stubbornness. I don't know why he would say that. Uh, <laughs> prayer became life to me. It's mm -hmm. like breath almost. Mm -hmm. And when he says pray without ceasing, you, you think, how's that possible? Well, it is because I'm just in this constant conversation with God. And I learned that because of our son. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. The intimacy it's brought to my relationship with God is so valuable. Um, and I, I love it. I'm so grateful. So I thank him all the time mm -hmm. that God sent this gift to us. Mm -hmm. Hardest gift we've ever had. Right. And so worth it. Right. So. I can see how that would shape your entire walk with the oh, Lord. Oh, absolutely. I see, and I see now why you would in the book with the gift. That makes oh, so much sense. It's... And I, see, I see the answer to the question I'm about to ask okay. you um, in all that you've shared. But I'd love to hear just in summary your thoughts around this podcast title and what I wrestled Fierce with, with and lovely, and where you have seen the embrace of both of those as you've walked this journey. Yeah, very much so. Um, fierce. God has given me a lot of fierceness about things anyway, uh, wanting to change things. I've spent 40 years kind of fighting for the women in our ministry to be... Um, recognize that they have much more to offer than they've been asked to give. Yes. And um, I'm thrilled that after a long, long journey, that's happening. Well, that's in a sense what's happened here. It's taken fierceness to stick with. Mm -hmm. uh, there's an awful lot of pushback um, in the community of people with prodigals that says, it's got to be tough love. Mm -hmm. and, and I just find that the word tough... Um, added to love, that sounds good, but what it causes people to do is have a, um, a resistance or a push away, and that the 
they may think that's just exactly what they need, and it may be. I'll come back to that just a sec. But what it does is it makes people, the the person that's loved, feel like uh, they're not wanted, they're rejected. And um, I would say you need boundaries, of course, and you must have consequences. Uh, God does that too. and But he doesn't do it in an angry or, or harsh way. He does it. Uh, in in a loving way, in an affirming way, and I look to Luke 15 all the time, and the father who, son was horrible to him, mm-hmm. and comes back prepared to repent. He doesn't even let him get the words of repentance out before he's throwing his arms around him. He's saying, you're back, you're back. I'm so glad you're back. Here, take my ring, put the robe on, let's go have a party. And that's how God feels about us. And so even when I, several times our son, once he was 18 and we could, he made the choice to move out. Not He said, you're kicking me out. No, no, no. You're making the choice. You know what's going to be needed if you're going to stay here. And we want you, but we can't allow this to go on in our home. And so that's a fierceness that you stick with them. You don't give up and you fight against uh, what you're being told that will often push them away. I just think we should act more like God does um, in the way we treat them and the way we affirm our love for them and that they're welcome. And the love, well, he's turned into a beautiful person. I mean, he really has. He was always trying to be fierce in a negative way. And he's big and tough and strong. Um, But inside, he's really not. He's a gentle person. He's a loving person. He's a very generous person. And when he was younger, he wouldn't work. I mean, drove my husband crazy. He says, he won't work. He won't work. (laughs) And he's one of the hardest working people I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And they... They both, he and his wife both work and they have two children and they have a little farm. And so they both go to their jobs during the day, but he gets up and does all the farm chores. Then when he gets home, he does the farm chores. And on the weekends, he does, builds fences or repairs things. And I watch him work and I start crying almost every time because who would have thought that there could be the transformation that this unwilling, lazy person would turn into a hardworking, responsible husband and father, um, caring for people, wish fighting their financial struggles that are pretty real with farms don't make money. Right. It's beautiful to me, as lovely as it can be mm-hmm. to see the person that he's become. Right. I'm so grateful. Well, and I see it as such a result of your loving him so well for so long with that fierceness that it took to do so. So, Judy, I'm just thrilled that you have written this, that you've captured those letters to all of those prayer warriors. I hope it will bless many people. When you love a prodigal. And in the show notes, I'll give all the details of where people can find your book and find more of you online. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm there. Prolific writer. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks, Beth. What a what a privilege and just a sweet treat for me. Thank, thank you. you. 
Women, here's what I'm taking away from Judy. Uh, Those words that she shared, so many, right, about the gift that her son ended up being, but the words that she felt like were from God, uh, him telling her, I'm always working, even when you can't see it, is really what I'm going to be taking away with me today. If you would like to get your hands on her book, When You Love a Prodigal, 90 Days of Grace for the Wilderness by Bethany House, uh, you can do so now. It's already out and available for purchase. Uh, You can find various places where Judy uh, lives online in the show notes, um, and you can continue to engage in conversation around these topics in the Facebook group, Fierce and Lovely Podcast, and follow us on Instagram, Fierce Lovely, and join me in spaces that I hang out. Beth H. Bruno on Instagram and BethBruno.org is my website. Uh, Beth Hillary Bruno on Facebook. I, I love to interact with listeners and readers of my book and just continue these challenging and inspiring and encouraging conversations. I hope that this week you find more of your own fierce and lovely. This is Beth Bruno, and you've been listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast.